The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Our God is indeed great, and He is wonderful. If you believe that, say amen. It's good to be in God's house with you. Welcome to all of you here. And, and I know there's a number of you folks that are joining online that had little illnesses to take care of or whatever the situation was. So, and there were a number of them that texted me. So if you're joining our live stream at home, I, I got your text. I haven't replied yet, but I got your text and just wanted to say welcome to all of you and, and glad that you're able to join us in that way. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm glad to be here. With all of you together, we had a great time yesterday with the uh, men's prayer that was here yesterday morning. And, um, you know, there was a number of us guys that got together and pray. I'm not sure where the rest of you men were. Cowards. And uh, <laughs> love all you dearly. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, I do, not kidding. I do love you. But I texted all the, all the college guys. We have a number of college-age folks in this church. And I texted all of the guys to say that... Um, yeah, you're a man, you're welcome to come and, and be part of the men's prayer. And, uh, and I threatened that if none of them were going to come, that Abby was going to break their thumb, that my little wife was going to go and beat them up. And none of them showed up. So, so next week, when you see a bunch of young college-age dudes walking around with a broken thumb, you'll know that my 115-pound wife took care of them in the back alley. So love you all so much. And, and welcome to Steve and Shar. They're here with us back from Florida. And if I didn't know that they were going to church in Florida, I thought they'd backslidden heathens. But they're in church in Florida, and they're back, and, and, uh, and they're the traitors that leave us during the winter and go to Florida. So, but man, is it so good to see you guys. I love you guys so much, and it's just so good to see you back, have you back with the family here. So it's a good day in God's house. Take your Bibles, if you would please, to Jonah, the fourth chapter. Jonah, the fourth chapter. We can be taking our Bibles, our devices, phones, whatever you have, to, but make sure that you have Jonah chapter 4 in front of you. You'll also notice, church, that in the chairs in front of you or underneath the chairs in front of you, there are those connect cards. Um, if you would like to be part of the church's email system so that we can have good communication across our body here, across the body of Christ here at this church, make sure you fill that out. You can just throw that in the offering plate. We'll get you on the email list. Uh, or if you're new, or if you're somewhat new, or if you're here for the first time, and maybe you'll be here next time, um, put your information down on there. It helps me immensely to, to know the condition of the flock, to get people's names and whatnot. So if you've not done one of those, snatch up one of those, fill that out. You can throw that in the offering plate. But Jonah chapter 4 is where we are at today, and hopefully our Bibles are turned there. But first, let us humble our hearts this morning. Let's pray and ask God's Holy Spirit to do what only he can do in illuminating this text to us. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, it is a good day to be in your house. It's a good day to open your word and to see that it is preached. Jesus, we love you, and you change where our eternal destination is, Lord. That salvation is found only in you. And we sing the praises of it. We sing your praises for it this morning, Jesus. We're thankful for it. 
But Jesus, we have found you to be a good shepherd in this earth during this time in which we traverse. You indeed give us peace. You give us a comfort. We have good reason not to fear this morning. And Father, I'm thankful for that. Open your word to us now, we pray. Show us what it is that you would have for us in your word. We love you for having left us with your Holy Spirit and your perfect word that never changes. We love you. In Jesus' name, and all the church says. Jonah, chapter 4. So we know of this rogue representative, this prophet of God that was disobedient. God had given him a call to preach to the Ninevites. He runs away thinking that he could run away from the call of God, thinking that he could run away from God himself. God gets a hold of his attention using the means of a storm and a fish and gets this rogue representative's attention. Jonah goes to Nineveh, preaches the message that he was called to preach, and the whole place repents. It's an awesome story. And then in Jonah chapter 4, we hear the response of Jonah after this great, amazing, perhaps the greatest ever revival sign of repentance that the Ninevites went through. Verse 1 of chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade, till, that, till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might shade, be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? New Covenant Community Church, if you believe that this is indeed the Word of God, let all the people say amen. amen. There are two questions that are commonly asked about the book of Jonah and even particularly chapter 4 of this book. And the first question that many people, perhaps you've wondered this as we've gone through this series titled The God and the Rogue Representative is, did Jonah ever get it? Did he ever learn his lesson? Did he ever become not the rogue representative and we certainly know that he there was a phase in which he decided to be obedient and he went to Nineveh and he preached but 
to answer the question of whether or not he actually finally ever got it, if he ever got the lesson. It's really unknown. He rides into this story being disobedient, and he rides off into the sunset of this story still being a whiner. Back where I came from, they call that belly aching. He was belly aching in the beginning, and he's belly aching now, and we don't really know if he ever really got this message. The second question that people have usually about chapter 4 is, what's the point of chapter 4? Because in the previous books, the previous chapters rather, excuse me, the previous chapters of the book of Jonah are pretty clear to understand what it is that that book is telling us. In chapter 1, it's very clear that it's talking about the seriousness of God's call and God's judgment against strict disobedience. Chapter 2 tells us about how God hears the cry of the afflicted, even from the belly of a fish, from the belly of this fish that God had prepared, that God heard this cry of affliction. That's what chapter 2 told us. Chapter 3 talks about this repentance and how it moves heaven and earth, how repentance literally change, changes things, how God relented from the harm that he would bring because of the repentance of the Ninevites. And then you get to chapter 4 and Jonah is just whining. He's just complaining. And I've been studying this book and reading this book and my wife who is very spiritually knowledgeable of God's word and all these things, I thought I'd see what she had to say about it. And I said, Abby, what, what's the point of Jonah chapter 4? And I expected to hear something very theological and deep. And she simply said, when the complaining has begun, it's difficult to have much fun. It's like, okay, that doesn't really give me much to preach there. But let's, so let's go to verse 1 again. And we'll see that verses 1 and 2 do well to summarize essentially the entire chapter. And we'll see what it is that God's word has for us. Verse 1. But it displeased Jonah greatly. And he became, it displeased him greatly, church, that the Ninevites got saved. This is his response to this people being saved from the judgment of God. But it displeased Jonah greatly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. So as we look at this text and we see what God's word has for us today, at the very surface level, you look at it and you understand that God's goodness is obviously clearly understood out of Jonah chapter 4. That God is, is merciful, that he's, that he's slow to bring about this anger. He's abundant in loving kindness. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and praise God that that has happened on behalf of us, that God has been slow to anger with us, that God was, he was not willing that we should perish. He was abundant in the loving kindness for you and I before you and I knew the Lord and were committing all kinds of sins and, and completely lost, that God was slow to anger with us. If you're thankful, say amen. That, that's a good thing that we've been recipients of, of that nature of God. And that is clearly something we see right off the top here of Jonah chapter 4. But I believe that the maybe more overarching, not I don't know about the overarching point, but another piece that's definitely in God's word, the point, if you will, of chapter four, I think is best seen when you look at the behavior, the attitude of Jonah, this rogue representative. He's angry that these people have been saved. He's bent out of shape. He's belly aching. That God has been merciful and that this 
great favor and love that God is expressing for these Ninevites, the same kind of love and grace that God has expressed to Jonah. Jonah's been out of shape when God expressed it to the Ninevites. So our point that we can write down, that I hope you write down, that we'll add on to in a moment is simply this. Salvation is for God to give and for us to preach. It's not up to us to decide how we're going to try and bend God's hand and get bent out of shape when God saves groups of people that, that we think he should express judgment upon. That's for God to give. Salvation is of God. He achieved it. He bought it. It's for him to give. The part of the story that we play is it's simply for us to preach. We ought not to have the attitude of Jonah. When sinners, when, when people that, 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 that even, even driving the agenda of sin in this world today, that if God were to choose, I mean, the Ninevites were a rough crowd, y'all. They were, they were really rough. If you read your history books, read your Bible, you'll understand how, how really raw the Ninevites were. As I said weeks ago, that when people would see the Ninevite army coming, many people would commit suicide because it was better to commit suicide than to come under captivity of the Ninevites. That's how brutal they were. You can fill in the blank from there. They were a raw crowd, and God saved them. There's people that we will interact with in today's world, dear church, that are a rough crowd that the devil is using and that the devil is using mightily. And, and, and there's this feeling that kind of can come up inside of us that would want God to express judgment upon them. Let's not forget that if God were to save them, that that's something that we ought to be joyful about. Salvation is for God to give and it's for us to preach. Let us preach it with the right attitude. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We shouldn't want people to fall into the hands of the living God. We should preach the message that God has given us to preach, which is one of redemption, which is one of judgment that gets people's attention, just like it was for the Ninevites. We ought to preach those things. Salvation is for God to give and for us to preach. And it just begs the question, this extrapolation, what we understand from Jonah chapter 4 here, it begs the question for all of us today. Could God trust New Covenant Community Church with Ninevites? Formerly super rough, super worldly, super wicked people that God saves. Could God trust us to disciple them? Could God trust us to have a different attitude than Jonah did? Could God trust us with people like Paul? Formerly wicked, super rough people that then get saved. Could they find love in this church? Could they find acceptance? Yes, they've been wicked. Yes, they had rebelled against God, but God in his mercy saves them. God, by his spirit, draws them. Could, could they find the right kind of attitude that God has given us the command to give them like it was for Zacchaeus? If we had a Zacchaeus walk in among us, a former traitor of God's people who then comes to know Jesus, could, 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 could a Zacchaeus find grace here? I think of the woman with the alabaster flax, that woman of the city, that wicked woman. Could, could, a, could a sinner like that walk in here that's come to know Jesus and find the kind of embrace that we ought to get? Salvation is for God to give and for us to preach. If you're with me, still say yes. I heard this awesome story this week of, and as far as I understand, every piece of this story is true. Uh, it was years ago in Feldkirch, Austria, when Napoleon and his armies were going around and they were conquering the region. 
And the people in this town, they look up and they see across the hills some people that they think perhaps are part of Napoleon's army. Now, Napoleon's army had caused some havoc in their life of these people in Austria. Napoleon's army had been the thorn in the side. They had been a wicked people. They had done some really raw things to the people. They were, they were angry about them. And the men of this city that see these people that they think could perhaps be Napoleon's army, they get so bent out of shape. They, they get so fired up that they want to go and hunt those men down to destroy them. And there was some disagreement about what the men in the city should do. Should they go after them? Should they stay there? So they decided to meet. And as I understand, this happened on an Easter Sunday. So as it was common back then, the church was like the local meeting place when there were important meetings to have like that. And all the men got together to sit down and talk about what they were going to do about what they thought was Napoleon's army across the hills. And, and they were so angry. They were so fired up. They, they, they wanted to go and express some judgment to these people. They wanted to go and, and make them feel the pain that, that they had caused for all these other people. And after a stirring of discussion, they look at the pastor and they say, what should we do? What should we do? We're all kind of split on this. What, to tell us, to show, show us what we need to be doing with this. And the pastor looked at the men and he said, well, he says, you don't even really know if it is Napoleon's army. And even if it was Napoleon's army, they're not attacking right now. And even if it was Napoleon's army, they're not attacking right now. And even if it was and they were attacking right now, going after them wouldn't be the right thing to do anyway. You're supposed to be in your homes protecting your families. He said, you've let, the, you've let the feelings of wanting to express judgment upon them so cloud your vision that you've even forgot that it's Easter Sunday. And this city's not under siege. We've got a freedom to come and worship. It's Easter Sunday. We, our families ought to be here in this church worshiping the resurrected Savior. So the pastor says to all these men, you know what I say? I say we ring the church bells. I say we continue on the way that God has called us to be. Ring these church bells. Let people know to come to the church. It's, it's Easter Sunday. They haven't attacked yet. They're not attacking right now. We ought to be in here worshiping. Let's ring the church bells. So what I feel like telling New Covenant Community Church right now is in this world in which we find ourselves, which is crazy, which is nuts, I get it. There's new stuff every week from gas shortages everything it's like man it's just like a barrage of bullets of things that you have to mentally wade through which i'll be preaching about probably next week of how to biblically see all of these things but but let us not get so distracted like jonah was simply wanting god's judgment to come down like those men in austria that simply wanted to see judgment come down we ought to ring the church bells we ought to preach this message that god has given us salvation is for god to give and for us to preach if you're with me say amen Oh, I'm going to be preaching today. I can feel it now. You just hang with me, church. I didn't even plan to preach that, but, but I feel the Holy Spirit encouraging me in this. Salvation is for God to give. It's for us to preach. To everyone, to all creatures, to all creation, Jesus says. Salvation is for God to give, and it's for us to preach. Let the church bells ring in this day. Let the church bells ring in our homes. Let the church bells ring in our individual walk with Christ. Let it continue to shine its light. We're still here. We'll, we're still breathing. We've still got this wonderful opportunity, even in a sin-stained, cursed world, to ring the church bells and to walk with our Savior. I'm excited about that. If you are, say yes. Verse 3. Oh, I better calm down, Benjamin. Calm down. Verse 3. 
This is Jonah's attitude here as a result of God's kindness again to the Ninevites. Verse 3, therefore, Jonah said, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter. Look to your neighbor and say he made himself a shelter. And he sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. Look to your other neighbor and say, it was an east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plants? Everyone say, don't let this be your attitude. Ready, set, go. Don't let this be your attitude. We ought not to have this kind of attitude of being angry at the workings of God. Most of the time we like the workings of God with blessings and all these things, but when God's plans are not our own, which are common, God's word even says that his plans, his ways, his understanding are not that of our own. When he does things, when he saves people that we expected God to squash, when he relents from the harm that he said he would bring, when those kinds of things happen, we ought not to have this attitude that in Jonah chapter 4 we see being expressed out of this rogue representative. It's kind of interesting to note there, it tells us that he made a shelter for himself. And then a couple lines later, it tells us that God prepared a plant that grew up, that provided shade for, Noah, for Jonah's head. How terrible must have that shelter been? It wasn't even keeping the sunlight off of him. So just picture this in your mind. As best I can tell, this is what it's telling us. Jonah goes up on the east side of Nineveh, frustrated, probably cursing, and he's setting up this big shelter, and he's such a flustered, sweaty, rogue prophet mess that he makes this pitiful little shelter, and he sits down into it, face beat red and it's not even a shelter like it's just some sticks poking together and God has to grow a plant to shade the poor guy's noggin and it's like being that angry just makes you look stupid too so like if for anything let's we ought not to have this attitude salvation is for God to give and for us to preach and it's for us to preach next point here church next word you can add to this happily happily we shouldn't have an attitude that sets ourselves up on the east side of a city to try and get a vantage point of God expressing judgment. If my geography of this area is, is remembered correctly in my mind, that they think that Nineveh was on the east side of the Tigris River, so if Jonah would have gone up to the east side of the city, it would probably would have been an even higher vantage point that would allow him to see. He had a front row seat in his hope to see God express judgment upon this city. And he's making a fool of himself while he's in the process of doing it. He should have remembered that salvation is for God to give and for us to preach 
happily. Now listen to me, listen to me close, church, because I believe this is so important for us to hear this morning. There's a lot of people in our world, there's a lot of people in our nation, there's a lot of people in power in our nation that I know many of us, myself included, have, we've wanted to see some judgment of God poured out. We've had an attitude towards these people and, and I understand, hear my heart in this, hear, hear what I'm saying. I am thrilled to death. There's few things that I'm happier about being the father of children, knowing that they get to grow up in this church where there's not confusion about whether or not a Christian should support someone who supports murdering babies. Like, I'm glad that's clear here in this church. I love that my little kids get to grow up in that kind of atmosphere where their Sunday school teacher teaches that, and they know that to be true, that a Christian can't. There's no place for a Christian to support someone who, is, who champions the cause of something that God hates. I'm so glad that there's that kind of clarity around here. But let us not become a Jonah and become bent out of shape, a heaping mess of flustered red face because God hasn't squashed people. Even for those people, dear church, listen to me, even for those people, God is patient. He's long-suffering. You think of the political leader that has caused you the most mental havoc, and if God saved them, would you throw a hissy fit like Jonah did? Or would you rejoice over the fact that they have come to know the same Savior that you know and that their name is now written in the Lamb's book of life? I myself have been guilty of this. Lord, forgive us for having the heart of Jonah in this. Let us see that this gospel is his to give. It's his to give. Salvation is for God to give. And it's for us to preach happily. Let us be the sowers of the seeds. If you're still with me, say amen. I'm very guilty of this church. There's someone in my family who has caused the predominant number of people in my family and even extended family much harm mentally, spiritually, and even physically. And I'm thinking of a moment now where I was talking on the phone with another family member and and just trying to find some comfort among ourselves of this great harm that's that had, has come across for decades now across my family because of this one person. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been so angry that you just cry. I don't know if I, I've only experienced it like one time in my entire life, but you're just so angry that just tears begin to fall out of your face. And, and you just, at, at, this anger just encompasses everything that you're feeling and every fiber in you. And, and I found myself walking through the house late at night just ranting about how, how I wish God's judgment would be poured out on this person. They've caused so much havoc spiritually and physically and mentally and emotionally in this family. Why doesn't God just squash them? I'm glad. I'm glad that person's going straight to hell and is going to burn there. And I set up on the east side of Nineveh, if you hear what I'm saying. I had a hissy fit. I was red-faced. And no sooner that I set up my pitiful little shack of displeasure of God's work, did no sooner than my wife comes out and says, Ben, that's not right. That person needs Jesus just like you. It's not right that you wish God's judgment upon them. It's a fearful thing. If you really knew what you were saying, Ben, if, if you could see the anguish and the torment that's coming for that kind of person, you wouldn't wish that upon them. You'd be doing everything you could to preach the gospel to them. It's amazing how much my wife is like, is that the Holy Spirit? Is that Abby? It's like, oh man, Lord help me. 
Be quiet, Tom. <laughs> who, who let that guy in here? I, you're supposed to be my friend, Tom. What are you doing to me, brother? <laughs> church, let the church bells ring. Let's continue in this right mind. Salvation is for God to give and for us to preach happily. Verse 9, the second part of verse 9 there. And this is Jonah's response to God's question about whether or not it's right for Jonah to be angry. And Jonah said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. Okay, so at this point, Jonah could be likened to that kid in the cereal aisle. And you all know what I'm talking about. It's that kid that never got spanked and they're throwing hissy fits, screaming all of Kroger's nose that they want the frosted ones. That's what you can liken the prophet of God in this mess to. Verse 10. But the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh? That great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. Dear friends, if you didn't know it, which I certainly hope you do, we're in a world with people that can't dis- discern between their right and their left hand. They can't discern whether they're male or female. They can't discern whether they're attracted to males or females. They can't discern whether babies are humans or not. They can't discern whether or not churchgoers should actually support people who champion slaughtering babies. People are confused about that. Pastors are confused about whether or not they should tell people whether that's right or wrong or not. They can't discern between their right and their left hand. But let us not forget, because I hope the thing you're thinking about right now is what I've been mulling over all this week is, man, what could have changed Jonah in all of this? How do we not become like this? How do we not have this kind of attitude that is so highlighted and shown to be the negative example in all of this? I'd hope that you'd put in the margin of your Bible right there next to verse 9 through 11 that we just read. I hope you put in the margin of your Bible 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. In fact, once you've done that, written that in the margin of your Bible, I want you all to take your Bibles there. 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse 9. And this is an excellent, if you need to de-Jonah yourself, if you need to de-Jonah your attitude, if you've been guilty of the sin that I have had of throwing this hissy fit that God has not expressed judgment and, and, and you feel those feelings for people that, you feel that rising up in yourself, here's how to de-Jonah your spirit, your thoughts, your heart. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. It shows us how to do it. And I believe with all my heart that if Jonah would have seen this, known this, believed this, he would not have been elevated as here's the example of an attitude not to mimic prophet. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. 
If you're ready for the next part, everyone say yes. Here's how to de-Jonah yourself. It says there in verse 11, and such were some of you. And that text is so humbling to me because when I read that list, man, there are so many of those categories that I fit into. So if Jonah would have been on the east side of Nineveh looking out, remembering that he's no different. He was no different than any of them. When you and I sit and we survey all that's before us in the world and you see people doing heinous, wicked, or make you nauseous kind of stuff, remember, dear friends, that we were just like them. We were just like them. And then moving on from verse 11, it explains even what's happened to us. It says, but you were washed. If you're thankful, say amen. amen. But you were washed, New Covenant Community Church. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let the church bells ring. There's going to be lies. There's going to be more of them. Everyone thought that the world was kind of getting back to normal. I recognize the whole COVID thing is kind of dying down, but it's like the world continues to get more weird. We're starting to make the bar scene from Star Wars look tame. I mean, it's a weird environment in which we find ourselves. So be it. Let the church bells ring. We're not going to bend God's... God is going to have His way. He's going to have His will. He's given us a mission to preach. Whether this salvation thing of his takes for people, that's up to the Lord and for his spirit with their repentance, all of that. that, that is, it's for us to preach to all creation. Salvation is for God to give and for us to preach happily. Would you stand with me as we bow our heads together as we prepare to worship? I love the truth, and I'm thankful that I'm in a church that encourages being lovers of truth. I'm so thankful for that. We must never lose that, to be lovers of truth. But we also must remember that the same people that we harbor bitter feelings against, God may be planning to save them. He may be calling you to preach to them. Let us be ready for that. Let us not have this Jonah 4 spirit. It's not right. God is slow to anger. He's abundant in loving kindness. He's merciful. And I believe that there will be many people that will probably get saved as we progress through this life. People we never thought would come to know Jesus. That will come to know Him. And then we have this option before us to go up onto the east side of Nineveh and throw a hissy fit or to remember that before Jesus, we were just like them and that they would find grace and discipleship among us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, take from us a Jonah 4 spirit. Let us march faithfully, happily, let the church bells ring at New Covenant Community Church. The world's going to lose its ever-loving marbles, but Lord, you've given us a mission. 
you've given us direction. So let the church bells ring. Let us stand tall and put our shoulders back and smile about the good salvation that you've won for us, that we have been the recipients of. This salvation is for you to give. It's for us to preach. So let us preach it with boldness, with passion, and joy in our hearts. Lord, save the lost. Lord, make us ready for the saved Ninevites that they would find love and discipleship in this place. Let us not go up to the east side and balk at your work and balk at your love and balk at your mercy. Let us be a rejoicing people in your good work. Thank you, Lord, that salvation is yours to give and you've given us the job and the mission to preach it. Help us in this work, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all the church says, let's worship together. <laughs>